Hey everyone, my name is Yaro and you're listening to the Creative Nature Podcast. I'm coming to you from my candlelit living room. It's Friday night and it's dark outside, which it hasn't been at this time in the evening for a while. I'm really glad that the days are getting shorter, to be honest, and I hope that you had a beautiful equinox if you're celebrating as a an special equinox treat. I'm bringing a second interview with Jamie Pini away. He is really kind, really inspiring and so generous with how he shares his work and insights and we covered a lot of ground and I really, as I've mentioned, love catching up with people after a while. Especially at the moment, I feel like the last few years have changed people's practice so much that it's really, really, really cool to have second and third interviews. So. There'll be more of that and I hope you'll enjoy them. But for today, yeah, check Jamie's work out. It's really lovely. We talked about integrating pandemic lessons, finding new ways to practice, creating really like peaceful and nurturing daily rhythms and also looking to nature for finding our own purpose and reflecting on how we want to show up in our livelihoods. I also highly recommend that you listen all the way to the end because Jamie has a really beautiful Patreon account and he talks a little bit more about that in a segment that I added at the end. I'll also link to that in the show notes so it's all there if you want to learn more. And for now, just going to say thank you so much for listening. Hi everyone, I am really happy to do a second interview with Jamie today. My dog just made a really funny sound, so we did some pre-interview giggling, but as you know, I think especially in these times, it's super interesting to catch up with people kind of like the year further down the line because so much is moving and changing. People have learned and integrated so much and most importantly, I'm also excited to begin talking and thinking about what's next for us hearing what people dream about, how they've kept themselves and their communities going. Um, but I want to, I mean, there is still so much to survive, right? But I also want to think about how we get beyond survival mode all the time and start bringing in joy into conversation. So if you want to listen to the first interview with Jamie, that's episode 106. Um, but also you can dive right in here. So Jamie, thank you so much for making time. I'm really excited to talk to you. Do you want to begin by saying, uh, letting us know where you are in the world, what nature is like around you, and maybe also describe your practice, which I know is many things and maybe, you know, take your time. <laughs> let, let us know what you do. <laughs> yeah, I'm right now I'm located in Baltimore, Maryland, which is the traditional home of the Piscataway. Uh, and it is summer. Um, it's July. It's super hot and humid where I am in the mid-Atlantic um, and I am also located near a river and a bunch of woods and so there's summer in this in this area that I'm in is like very um, abundant and super lush and really green um, which is lovely and then also it's full of mosquitoes so <laughs> It's, it's all of the things. It's like very hypersensory for me um, during the summertime, which isn't a bad thing, but very flamboyant. Um, just, yeah, I, I like that you brought up um, like survival mode and getting beyond that. 
And just for context of what's been happening to me, like the past week, um, like my partner got sick a couple of times. We were in the emergency room because they had an allergic reaction to something, um, which was like very difficult and scary at the moment. In the moment, they're fine now, but definitely like adrenaline rushing during that time. We had our pride flag vandalized. Um, someone came and stabbed our, our pride flag that was out in our front yard and ripped it in half. And in Baltimore and in other places in the U.S., I've also heard that people's homes are being vandalized um, when they have like their pride decorations up. And they're in Baltimore, there was like um, a house that was set on fire that burned down two other houses next to it in like a neighborhood that's close by. So, so all of these horrible things are happening and still I find joy. And I, that is like so essential to survival, like in the immediate, but also in like the long-term idea of um, the long-term practice of thriving. It's like for a lot of us who are in marginalized communities um, or, or who hold marginalized intersecting identities, it's, it's not so simple as like, oh, we shift from the survival mode to the rest and digest and you know healing mode it's like a lot of times those things have to happen concurrently um because because that is the context for a lot of us i don't think truer words have been spoken today jamie <laughs> this was really yeah yeah that's what it is i'm really so sorry that happened to your flag and your neighbors that is truly heartbreaking and yeah i'm really really inspired to hear that you're still finding joy and yeah do you want to tell us a bit more about the work that you do as well yeah and so the joy? <laughs> i i'm a healing practitioner and i practice from um Hilot, which is a philippine traditional medicine and chinese medicine which for me, Chinese medicine includes herbs, qigong, acupuncture, um, and a lot of other things, moxibustion. It, it goes on and on and on. Both of them are, are um, very involved holistic medicines. And what's been different about the last time we talked is I now am practicing in person, um, which is awesome. And I practice out of this cute little, um, like kind of like group, group collective building called Fruit Camp in Baltimore. And it's like, like the bottom, the first floor is all um, like a queer and trans tattoo studio. And then upstairs is a bunch of artist studios. So there's a lot of different folks doing, you know, like multimedia art, um, music. I share my particular suite with another healing arts practitioner. Um, so it's, it's been interesting trying to figure out how to do that in a pandemic. We are still in a pandemic. Um, and that, yeah, like that, that has taken a lot of navigation for me and to figure out how to do it as safely as possible. And also, um, how to do it as as sustainably as possible because my capacity for being able to see patients is different now than it was before 
Yeah, I'm glad you're saying that. I feel the same. Also, just socializing with friends. I was just saying to someone the other day, I feel like my window of tolerance, if you want to call it that, for any social interaction has become so much more narrow. But in either direction, like I feel lonely quicker or kind of understimulated. But also, if I do just a little bit too much and kind of like so quickly out of that comfortable range and really overwhelmed and have to lie down again but I'm so happy to hear that you found this beautiful setup it sounds like a real like yeah just a really beautiful space I wish I could come and visit that are you still doing online work or have you transitioned completely and if so what was that like or how do you experience the online world with that healing practice now I'd be curious because I feel yeah so much is still moving and being reimagined in some ways I am definitely still doing online work. I don't think I will ever fully stop that. I mean, maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the future is going to be like, but for now, it seems like a really good idea to me to, to keep that as part of my practice, because one, I like to see folks all over. So it provides a different accessibility, um, that I can't do in person. Um, like I work with folks, like I've, I've had folks call in from like Puerto Rico or Mexico or the UK um, to do Qigong classes with me or to do consults with me. And that would not have been possible otherwise, which is, that's that's really cool to be able to connect with people in that way. Um, but like I said, like we are in a, we are in a pandemic still. Like I feel like I have built some kind of infrastructure that if I had to um, close down my in-person practice, I'm not left completely without um, support for myself or for the people that I work with. Um, if the pandemic has taught me anything, it's like you need to be adaptable. Um, we need to plan for structures that encompass access for different, um, different ability levels, different... Um, I don't know, like just just like centering public health in a different way than I have before. Like I, I feel like sometimes I feel like I'm like completely losing my grip on reality when I walk outside and in um, the places that I've been in the US, like people are just not masking, like masking is no longer a thing. I am often one of the only people masked in a space which to me is really heartbreaking because people are still getting sick and people are still dying. And then, you know, like our elders are like immunocompromised folks are still very, very vulnerable. Like I want to continue doing, I want to continue doing medicine for as long as I can. And in order to do that, I need to keep myself safe and everyone around me safe. So it doesn't make sense to be someone who is in a healing profession and not take those precautions. Yeah, I'm really happy you're naming that. I feel exactly the same. I'm also often the only one wearing a mask. Um, and I don't use public transport that often, but I just feel like exactly what you're saying. People are still dying. People are really having difficult um, health outcomes, if you want to call it that. I just read that from today and the coming week here in the UK, or in my region at least, um, routine surgeries have been canceled again because we just need that capacity at hospital to care for people with COVID. And 
I just find that so heartbreaking. I think it has so many, so many wide ranging impacts on all of us that we often don't really see, you know, like having been someone who needed two surgeries during the pandemic, I, I know that really sucks, you know, if, if you've been on the wait list for a long time and you're on chronic pain and it's just getting canceled again, um, in addition to all the other hardship this is creating, I just feel like wearing masks indoors in, in public spaces is such a small thing that we can all do to at least take a little bit of that edge off of this current wave that we're in. Who knows what else is coming, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's really cool to hear kind of how you're setting yourself up and how you're thinking about your own resilience and adaptability and I think this this word is really important to me as well, at, at, you know, adaptation. And also, I'm exhausted, and I don't want to reinvent everything I do all the time. <laughs> but um, but that's a different subject. I want to talk a little bit more about joy. What's giving you joy at the moment? And maybe also, and I'm asking this because you're in my business community, and we sometimes talk about different business models. You know, how do we do things? But we also talk about what people want. And so I'm curious about this point in pandemic, July 2022, what is nourishing you in your personal life, but also what kind of offerings or online spaces or local spaces do you enjoy and wish to see more of or want to share with more people? Mm -hmm. um, the first thing that I think of when I say what we're, when I hear what brings me joy is the farmer's market. Like I just really love, I've always loved farmer's markets and it's been such um I don't know I feel like I'm just I'm just getting multiple needs met at once and I'm like oh sweet I'm gonna get to support like the local farmer economy like as like food system and shorter supplies happen all around me I'm like yes I would take my money <laughs> um and it's it's just like a place where I can go that's like very low social demand for me that's like outdoors relatively much safer gathering space um where I get to like have a lot of treats it's just like it for me it's most of the time it's like a very good mix of like sensory input and it's just so pleasurable like I don't think I've ever seen anyone go to a farmer's market and then been upset about it like who is who's shopping at the farmer's market angry you don't go to the farmer's market to get angry and then you don't like leave there super angry Again, in general, it's a very joyful gathering space, at least in my experience. I don't know if there's agro farmers markets out there, but <laughs> I have not encountered that yet. So I, I love going to farmers markets. Um, I have been, I'm under, um, under mentorship right now with someone named Joy and their handle on, her handle on Instagram is um, Tabernacle Life. And so a lot of what we've been working on is how to lead with pleasure. So leading with pleasure as a way to um, find obedience to my gifts, to my calling. And that has been a very transformative practice for me to be like listening to my body of what actually feels good and not pushing past it, not feeling like, um, I have to do something because I'm supposed to do something because it makes logical sense. And, you know, like I've known that 
for a while, but I, I think that like the actual practice of it and having someone else hold me accountable to the nuances in which I ignore that has been really amazing. Um, and I'll give you an example with, with the business stuff. Um, so when I first started doing like heavier promotion for my work online, like I was like trying to create content all the time for um, social media, like writing blogs, like doing all this stuff and that stuff. And it totally burnt me out. And I was like so upset about having to post online all the time. Um, and I like, and it, it did, it like, it did help and it did, it did work to some degree, but I was like completely, it like trashed me. So having to, to take a step back from that and like slow my roll and not come at, come at it with this, this desperation that is, um, I guess really just a product of scarcity and a product of, of, of capitalism has been, that's been a journey. And I have like, since like stepped back from creating content that way and and doing it more from like, okay, what kind of content um, feels good to create? Like, what can I share that actually is generative for me in, in the process? Um, and like trust that people are going to find it and connect with it and be okay with the speed at which that connection happens. That is challenging for me the scarcity mentality, which I'm, I'm continuing to work on and to like unlearn. Um, I think that that's really hard. Yeah, absolutely. It really is. I think it's so tempting to feel like, oh my gosh, if I don't post, people will forget about me. I'll become irrelevant. Or if I delete the app for a while, I will miss out on key conversations and then I'm kind of out of the loop, whatever that means, you know? And I think I just love seeing people begin to trust that the content or the offering or whatever, the message, the idea we create from a space of self-trust and deep breath and really leaning into pleasure is so beautiful, but it's also attractive in the most literal sense of the word. I think we're at this time all really craving intimacy and that includes intimacy with people's minds. And that's not like a you know, like a two paragraph Instagram post where we're just trying to bring a huge idea across in like a tiny bite-sized way. It's making space for slower things and deeper things and longer things, but it's not easy, like that transition. Yeah, I find yeah. that as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, but what I would love to hear a bit more about, like how you touched on us already so we talked about joy and like how I'm wondering like how is that sustaining you and I would love to hear a bit more day to day <laughs> day to day um yeah what does that look like so um I'm thinking about you know Jamie's waking up what's happening <laughs> what, what's happening um how do you sit down and and keep yourself engaged with your creative practice and how do you also maybe connect with your intuition because I know that we have to make all these little micro decisions every day right about how we structure our business how we offer what we do how we communicate about it and it can feel overwhelming unless you are in some way connected to yourself so how do you come back to yourself in that way if that makes sense mm -hmm. um 
Well, one of the ways is like, the more present I am in the relationships that are important to me, the better I am as an individual and also the better my support around me is and the better that other person I'm connected to can feel about being in relationship with me. And well, not just person, like I'm also talking about my animals. <laughs> like I have, I have two animals that are, are very supportive of me. One of them's a cat named Flirt and the other one is a dog named Prim. So when I'm getting up in the morning, this is the routine every morning is I start to move around a little bit because I'm waking up, the cat sees me and he runs over and then like gets very close to me and just starts meowing. Like once I'm awake, the cat's like, okay, let's go. We got to go. And he starts making noise and like running around the room. And then the dog wakes up and then she stretches for like five minutes because she's old. And then she comes up next to my bed and then lays her head and watches me. And so they just wait until I get out of bed and like feed them and take them out to go to the bathroom and stuff. Um, and then I have a, I, I have always been a morning person. So morning food prep is like a very like nice ritual for me. So I always like have a really nice breakfast where I, I like set up um, my meal, I usually eat outside if it's nice weather. So I like have a little breakfast date by myself and the cat sits on the chair across from me at the table <laughs> and we just have a morning conversation, a morning meal together. <laughs> that does sound totally nuts. <laughs> um, so like, I, I truly believe like you need to like nourish yourself like at the very beginning of the day um and i also like have recently started um doing more art that's something that i have been wanting to do and as a child that that brought me so much joy and just so much um uh system regulation that i didn't realize i was doing so just side note for context like i found out late last year that I was autistic or that I am autistic. And so I have been reflecting on like, what were the ways that I was stimming and regulating that I have since like repressed. Um, and one of the ways was like through doing a lot of art and creative projects. So I have started painting and drawing. I, I paint pretty much every day now. Um, I used to like do a lot of writing when I was younger. And so I'm journaling and writing a ton. And sometimes it's stuff that becomes content for social media. And sometimes I'm just writing just because, but it's like, I'm giving myself space to just release that energy, um, to like, let it, let it flow so that it's not stagnated up in my, in like my like body. Like I'm not just keeping it there or suppressing it because suppressing it takes a lot of energy. Like it's actually, it, it can be less energy to just release that, um, to let it flow than it, than it is to like not do it. So that has been a more recent practice. Um, and like, as, as I, as I cultivate those kinds of, um, those kinds of things, like it brings me more creativity on how I want to, um, structure my work, like what kind of offerings that I want to do with, with people, um, how I want to structure my business. 
So those things are all very much tied in. And it like, I think that it, I really had to work on a lot of guilt around allowing myself the space to do something creative or artsy because I had associated, I used to associate that with like not being productive, like not having time to do it. Like it felt very indulgent. I'm like, I can't afford to do art because of materials or because of time or because of whatever. Um, and that's simply not true. Like the more I repress that, like the more difficult it is to do work. Yeah, I was nodding along that a ton. As you know, I'm autistic too. And I'm also looking back at my life now, thinking about what I've repressed and what I want to have now in my life. And I'm so impressed you're painting every day. That's amazing. And I actually, yeah, what you're saying makes total sense that it can actually, it can take more energy sometimes to suppress something than to kind of release it in some way. Um, I also feel like I'm hearing so much um, devotion, what you're saying. I don't know if that's a word that you would use, but you said earlier, what did you say? Um, I think it was along the lines of like surrender to your gift. So you used a different word there. Um, oh, yeah. Um, so Joy talks a lot about being obedient to your gifts, <laughs> like whatever whatever it is that you've been gifted by your ancestors or by source like what is that and can you like like fully submit to that yeah. and yeah like that that concept still rocks my world I'm like what the fuck does that mean <laughs> yeah but it's really beautiful I think it I just that just totally lands with me I think there's such simplicity in it because it then is just not so much about us anymore, who we are, what it looks on Instagram, but just kind of really feeling that deep gratitude for what we've been given in this lifetime, for the technology to share that's available to us, for the abilities that we have, um, and just stepping out of the way a little bit and be like, you know, like, how do I utilize this in the best possible way that is of the greatest service to the communities that I'm part of? Yeah. I know it's much harder than I made, you know, but, um, but yeah. It's easier for me to conceptualize it when I think about nature and how like each plant, each animal is perfectly adapted to its purpose, whatever that purpose is. So like a beaver is going to do beaver things and it's like perfectly formed to do beaver things. It's not going to be like a woodpecker or it's not going to be some other animal. It's like, like, it's like a genius in its own little realm. And it's like, how do I, how do I do that? Like, I can't fit into these other niches that are not, um, that I'm not like naturally inclined to, that is not my natural gift. Um, and as someone who is like exploring their new, their neurodivergence, that has completely shifted how I, how I put my efforts. Cause I'm now I'm trying not to resist, um, where I have like, uh, I don't know what the right word. I will say like autistic urges. I don't even know what that means, but like, if there's something that I need to do to stim, or if there's like a hyperfixation that I have that's going on, like, well, what if I just went with it instead of trying to spend energy avoiding those 
tendencies. Like what would it look like if I structured my work and my daily activities to let those things just kind of run wild? And that like, if I'm running my own business, I don't have an excuse not to do that, right? Like if you're employed somewhere, that's really different. Like you can't just do whatever you want, but I could do whatever I want. So why don't I? I think that's such a joyous way of looking at it. And you're articulating something that I've been trying to understand or kind of see in my, in my local friendship circle a little bit, which is like, like it's hard to live in anger all the time, you know, and to push against the things that are really difficult and structurally painful. Um, and I, yeah, I, I just want us to be more often in this space of acknowledging what it is and telling the truth about what of that is painful and unjust, but also really celebrating the choices that we do have like you said you know we get to work for ourselves this is so beautiful like there's really nothing stopping us running from our hyper-focused excitement sometimes <laughs> and taking people along um, and also returning to them like I wonder if you feel this too but I think I've definitely felt guilty in the past of like having a hyper-focus for a period of time thinking it would be my whole life and then changing my mind and feeling excited about something else and then being like am I a quitter have I just wasted a bunch of resources and time on something that um, I actually now feel a bit less excited about but I really noticed that when I just dropped this you know expectation around it I actually always circle back to these things because they are hyper focuses because I care so deeply about them. And my brain just takes breaks sometimes and then returns. And that's actually great, right? Yeah, that is that is something I'm like like trying to lean into more and more. And um <laughs> funny story, I was talking to a friend about it. <laughs> she was like, there's a Facebook group that is meant for people with ADHD where they post stuff that they bought when they had a hyper focus that they're no longer into <laughs> so people can kind of swap stuff but my, my friend who has ADHD couldn't remember what it was called <laughs> I just thought that was the funniest most perfect thing um so it like I bring that up because what if we had just culture, I'm not even going to say like structures or systems, but what if we had a culture where our hyper focuses, our hyper, hyper foci, is that the correct way to say it? Our many interests, our special interests is just a regular part of a collective experience. You know, like why, why wouldn't we just redistribute and circulate our stuff like that? Like why, why couldn't we have that like there is not actually there's not a real scarcity for art and for materials to to use to make that art it's it's something that has been that we just like have not we haven't like imagined or lived it lived the pot the full possibilities of that and it there's a lot of i have had a lot of guilt around like buying stuff um and when I, I brought that up with my mentor, Joy, she was like, well, what if you didn't suppress your desires for things? Like, it doesn't mean go on a shopping spree all the time, but like, 
what does it mean for you to like be okay with having desire and having wants and having needs and can you sit with that like do you always have to act on it or can you like we um this is my these are my words but I was like oh you mean edge play like you're you're doing edge play with with different um kinds of desire and different kinds of pleasure it's and that thinking of it that way um completely shifted my mindset because I'm like oh like having a desire in itself is the pleasure and you work with it you can work with it that way if you want to and then it's not about so much um it's not a denial of of having the pleasure or or guilt about like trying to obtain whatever it is that we're interested in but there there can be some play involved there can be something that feels more consensual and um yeah, like there, there are just so many different ways that we could approach our special interests or our compulsions that I think offer a lot more kindness um, and are, are not as stigmatizing. Yeah, I love that a lot. And seeing future libraries of things that people might need where we can trade them, that would be so beautiful. And I also think having desires is a, a sign of well-being for me I feel like when I'm really not feeling desire for things anymore then that is a sign that I'm really actually quite unwell because I I'm just kind of so collapsed into myself that I don't even want to like reach out and engage anymore so yeah it's a really good reminder to embrace that Ooh, um I wonder if anything comes to mind when I ask you what your favorite summer medicine is my favorite summer medicine. Oh, I don't know. Like, I feel like I, I like just live differently in the summer than I do in other seasons. So I guess, I guess the medicine is just to live seasonally. So summer for me, it's like the most young time of year. That means like the most, um, it's like for a lot of regions in the world, it's the most um, hot, it's the hottest time of the year. It's the most active time of the year. Um, and that, and the most outward time of the year, right? Like that's when we have a lot of festivals and outdoor gatherings and parties and stuff outside. So that is how I tend to just, um, align myself seasonally is like in the summertime, I am going out a lot more. I am being more social. I am doing things that are more outward, more extroverted. And the, I found that the more I am aligned with the different seasons, um, energetically and in practice, the better I am just overall wellness. Like I'm not going to act the same way in the wintertime. In the wintertime, I want to be at home. Like cuddled up. I don't want to move a whole ton. I just want to like be like there like journaling or watching a bunch of TV or like sitting on the couch with the cat. So letting the outside energy just just being in line with the outside energy and being able to go with that flow means that I'm not spending um effort like resisting it. So I shape my business around my, um, around what's happening seasonally, which means I, I do a lot more outward things. 
Um, I'm throwing more throwing, not, I'm not throwing a party. I'm like organizing more, um, workshops with people, more classes with people in the summertime. Um, it's easier to network with people, like meet people in the summertime to like talk about, um, our, our work, see how we can support each other, uh, doing more, recording more podcasts during the summertime for sure people have like a different energy and so yeah i guess that's it's not one thing it's more of like um like a guiding mentality of how to live more seasonally yeah that makes a lot of sense that's beautiful i also like eating cold foods i'm just gonna add that there <laughs> that's something i really miss in winter and so appreciate about summer that you have like capacity to eat really cold stuff mm. you've shared already about this idea of like what would happen if we um just really embraced our um interests more and created communities around sharing and trading in that way but i would love to hear more about your other dreams you know what what else are you dreaming about in your practice or for Baltimore or for the internet or, or whatever else comes to mind. Oh my God. So I have so many ideas <laughs> and it's possible. I might have like a co-occurrence a co of like ADHD with the autism. I don't know. We're going to, we're going to figure that out later this year. Um, but I think I mentioned this last time I was on the show that I would love to do, I, mean, I don't know, maybe I did, I can't remember. I would love to lead retreats back to the Philippines for folks to um, meet my teachers, to get connected with traditional healers there and just like kind of come back to their ancestral lands um, and get access to that medicine. So that's that's one thing um, that I would love to do is to to be able to do retreats. And then I have some ideas around like supporting folks through um, medical transition where I would do like workshops with um, people who are going to experience the medical transition, but also whoever's going to be on their support team to kind of walk them through what to do um, from a Chinese medicine perspective on how to like support, support the body, but also support the care team that's going to be there. Cause that's, that's a huge, that's a huge transition. I mean, like literally, but also just like communally, socially. Um, I find it interesting that whenever I talk to someone who has had like top surgery and this happened to me too, where the doctor's like, yeah, after two weeks, you're, you're back to work. You're fine. You have full range of motion. That is not true. I have never met anyone where that's been true. Right. Like it, the recovery is like six weeks and sometimes more, depending on what is happening with the person. Um, your scars are healing for like years afterwards. They're they're changing shape, changing texture. Um, so I would love to do something that has more holistic support for people. Um, and yeah, I don't, those are the two of the projects that I want to do. And at some point, I would love to actually start um, creating my own medicinal blends for folks. I don't have the space right now to do that, um, for, to have an apothecary, but that would be 
that's goals for the future to have an actual apothecary or where I get to mix stuff again. I love that a lot. And I totally agree. I, this is such a beautiful vision. I would love it if there were like real programs that people can access where not just them, they themselves receive support around that transition, but also everyone they are with. There's just so much um, to learn and really maybe ritualize. I don't know if that's a word you would use, but um, I had breast reduction surgery um, when I was 28. So maybe eight years ago now, wow. And I was so unprepared for how personal that is to have surgery, like, you know, nice in your heart space, basically. And I think being with other people who get that and can support you, but then also maybe being able to buy potions from someone who's really put a love and love and attention into making something that will support you at that time. Oof, that is so beautiful. Yeah. And it's, um, I've had the experience where it's, uh, cause like a few people that I, that have been close to me, um, have had surgeries during the pandemic and it's different to access support. Like it's not as easy for folks to just like drop by for five minutes and walk your dog. Um, like there's just a lot more coordination if you're, if you're taking care around COVID, safety to coordinate that. So what happened, what I've seen happen is that like larger chunks of that care are allocated to fewer amounts of people just for logistic reasons. And so the load, the load is different. Like we can't spread it out as, as equally as before. Yeah, very true. Um, I wonder, as our conversation is coming to a close, if there's anything else you really want to talk about that I haven't asked you about yet, and also what are you currently offering? What's kind of your next step? And are we going to talk again next summer? <laughs> because I would love that. <laughs> yes, we're going to definitely talk again next summer. Um, I don't know if there's anything else that I want to bring up. Uh, I feel like we covered a lot of really interesting ground which has been really fun. Um, as far as what I'm working on, I, I'm not sure when this is coming out, but like I periodically am running QT BIPOC Qigong classes. So those are eight week courses. I usually am doing them every other month or so, every one or two months. And those are all online. So those are the ones where I get to, to like connect with folks like all over the world. And it's really awesome to, to have that space. Um, and I'm still doing readings and consultations online. And um, I'm doing in-person at fruit camp. And so in-person I can do herbal consultations, body work, Qigong, um, and acupuncture. So yeah, those are, those are kind of like my consistent things that are happening. Cool. And we'll add all your links to the show notes as well. I was just thinking about one more question and it's totally fine if you don't have an answer. This is just, this was something I've asked someone the other day and I'm now wanting to make it a habit. So here we go. How do people know what their gender is? I don't know. <laughs> right? I mean, like... I like, I'm definitely not cis, but I feel like the older I get, it's like the less I care about what my gender is. <laughs> I'm like that, like, 
I just, I feel like there are so many other ways to describe people or to describe me. I'm not going to speak for other people, but to describe me that that is becoming less and less of a priority. It's, it's only a big deal when other people are assholes about it. These are such wise and beautiful words to end on. I really couldn't <laughs> have thought of a better, you know, last thing that I want to send people on their way with. That is so true. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. It's been amazing to talk to you. I can't wait for number three next summer. <laughs> and yeah, thank you so much for your generosity and everything that you shared. I'm excited for people to check your work out. Hi, this is Jamie again. If you are interested in supporting my work, head over to my Patreon. Patreon helps me build a sustainable source of income that is not dependent on fee-for-service. With this support, I can create spaces of healing for people whose needs are often neglected or ignored by the mainstream medical system. In short, this is a form of community care where we can share abundance with each other for healing. To check out the patron benefits and to sign up, go to patreon.com slash Jamie Panetta Healing Arts. And my name is spelled J-A-M-E-E-P-I-N-E-D-A. Whether or not you decide to become a patron, thank you for witnessing me imagine and produce creative pathways to healing. Maraming salamat.